On the Lollygaggers podcast, we make no judgments about imaginary friends. After all, about 90% of our listeners are imaginary. On this episode, Jeff heads to post-apocalyptic Sweden for Mutant Year Zero, while Justin watches Bumblebee, makes bee puns, and is surprised by a coherent plotline. The Gentleman's Challenge starts 2019 in a friendly manner, with two quality views in the palette of Buster Scruggs and Happy. Welcome to episode number 40 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different geek things, from comics to games, movies to TV. I am on your host, Jeff. I'm the one, Justin. How's it going, man? It's been a long time for us. It's yeah, it's uh, this is our first episode recording in 2019. We did have our New Year's episode, but that was like that was a little what it was like. A, it was like a week and a half before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we're smart. We we prepped ahead. We recorded ahead of time. Yes, we are smart. We mm-hmm. prepped ahead. Yeah. together. Yes. Yep. Are you are you employing something? I'm saying I, it's mostly you. Oh, you you yeah. do most of the planning. So yeah, 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 yeah. What? Yes, yeah. It's called Google Docs. That's 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 my planning. So uh, yeah, it's been a while. Justin's been off in uh, the rocky state of Colorado, and uh, we've been doing all sorts of different things. Uh, Justin, I hear you. Uh, you saw a movie. Is that correct? I absolutely did. I actually saw like six movies when I was out there, but. Uh, I'm talking about one. This is just called. I was throwing it to you. See, we're just rusty. That's what it uh, is. Oh, yeah. It's, it's been a while. Yeah, knock off the dust. There we go. But uh, the movie that I saw that I wanted to talk about was uh, Bumblebee. So, Bumblebee is directed by Travis Knight. It's got writers Christina Hodson um, and stars Haley Steinfeld, uh, John Cena, and uh, Jorge Lendenborg Jr. Uh, I think I did okay with that one. And so, basically, it's been getting a lot of buzz on the internet get out get out you're fired you're f- uh yeah you're the worst this is stupid so, uh, uh like a rotten tomatoes get like a 93 and i'm like there's no way um yeah it's pretty crazy and so i went and saw it with my sister-in-law and my wife at the alamo theater in uh colorado have you ever been to an alamo theater Do they have those in arizona no we have like amc and harkins so Alamo is really nice. They have barely any previews. They have like this thing where like uh, they if you have people that are being noisy and stuff, it's like a dining theater, but it's also a draft house. And if people are noisy, they can, you can like put a little note up and you can get them removed. And stuff yeah, like we have stuff like that here. We have like the draft house. I don't know if it's Alamo or not, but it might be. But it's a nice little theater and, and I like it a lot. So we went and saw it there. Um, so I have watched four three out of the four uh transformers movies the last one i saw was on netflix and it was three hours long and i regretted every second of it even though i still watched all three hours of it is that the mark Wahlberg one it is the first mark Wahlberg one i did not see the second one where apparently Wait, he's Op- in two yeah there's one that where i guess oh. where optimus prime is a knight of the round table i did i didn't know that merlin had anything to do with uh right cybertron but Never saw What's one. the one where he wanders around because the wind is chasing him and he talks to like he talks to like a plant? Is that is that a Transformers movie? Is that I no, no. that's that's the happening. You're thinking of the happening. Mm, I see. Service. I see. Yeah. It's these 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 uh these plants are trying to kill us. We gotta get out of here. Uh so uh <laughs> I, the, I I I liked this movie a lot. Um 
Now, I don't think it's a 93% good, but it's good. Um, I am curious as to why it's a 93% Rotten Tomatoes. I'm curious to know whether or not there's some type of stock ownership in uh, whatever company uh, created Bumblebee and Rotten Tomatoes because 93% is really high. I personally give it like an 85%. It's a very competent, uh, fun, and sweet movie. Um, but it's not, it doesn't like break any like bubbles or anything. Like that. It's, it's, it's a standard film. It's fun and entertaining, but 93% is really high. So um, the best thing I like about it is <clears throat> that they kept it small. In the beginning of the movie, you're on Cybertron and you see some cool stuff like you see uh, original Optimus Prime, you see like a Soundwave, and Soundwave has the Soundwave voice from the cartoon, and he opens up his cartridge, and I think it's Prowler is the cat that's in it, and Prowler uh, jumps out, and they have all this stuff, so I like all that stuff. Very nostalgic-esque uh, fun stuff with that. Uh, you see a bunch of, you think you see Starscream and a bunch of like regular characters, but other than that beginning part of the movie where you're on Cybertron, there's really not any transformers in the whole movie there's three there's bumblebee and two they're chasing after him i think that was one of the best things they did for this movie is they kept the scale very very small um they're most they spend most of the time as the small little uh uh coastal town and you know they explain how he loses his voice box but still like it's not necessarily a huge part of the movie um there's a couple tropes that are very common in this movie that have been in a lot of movies lately like uh, using a movie soundtrack as a way to kind of describe describe the mood of what's going on, but with with Bumblebee, it, it kind of is part of his voice box. So kind of, I'm willing to accept it in this case because it's kind of a different thing. Like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, they have that cool uh, volume mixes and stuff like that, or even they they, they did it with uh, Deadpool and they do it with uh, uh, less successfully in uh, Suicide Squad. But in this movie, it's not so much that as he that's how he speaks so you get those kind of you know throwbacks of those types of songs but it's through a narrative telling of, of the movie um the movie's very sweet uh bumblebee uh looks amazing and he's very expressive with his eyes because he doesn't even have a way to speak for the first half of the movie until she eventually installs a new tape deck in him where he can talk um through radio and he kind of teaches himself how to talk throughout the movie but like the way they did the CGI with him, his eyes are so very expressive because he doesn't even have a mouth. Like his mouth is just a speaker. And the way they did his character is really what endeared this movie to me because he was, he didn't talk. He was just a sweet uh, uh, character. He has kind of like amnesia for a little bit in the, in the beginning of the movie. So he kind of doesn't understand what's going on. And it's very cute. They also really cut down on the whole like a thousand pieces moving at once thing that they do usually in these uh transformer movies where like uh you see optimus prime changing or whatever and you see every single gear possible in his body and it makes you want to vomit so they didn't do a lot of that these the designs were very simplified and very smooth when bumblebee's bumblebee he he looks very you know it's not so much blocky like in the cartoons but he's just more smooth and a little bit less uh million pieces going there's sometimes in the movie where he looks legitimately real as like a giant robot i know that seems like a, a dumb thing to say but he looks pretty realistic um so like the the cgi in it was was really stellar in this you know when you think of like other transformer movies there's a lot of great cgi but like 
it gets muddled and turns into kind of like a video game. This didn't seem like that. It seemed very realistic and very cool. It's very nostalgic. And the lead actress of Christina, of uh, Haley Steinfeld, that's the the writer, Haley Steinfeld, she also was uh, uh, Spider-Gwen and Into the Spider-Verse. She's great. Um, She's basically what Shia LaBeouf never was. Um, I really like her character. I like the way she acts. She's talented. Is that? Yes, that's the word. Is it talented? Talented. John Cena's in the movie too, but he doesn't really have that huge of a role. He basically just plays like a, a military uh, guy trying to get to the bottom of it. Um, I was. How really do you kinda... know he's in it if you could never see him? My brother said the same exact joke. So, yeah. And I was yeah. really hoping for the entire time that they would like sneak in that his name's Duke or something, but it wasn't. Like I was like, let's create a Hasbro interconnected universe. Let's do that, but it wasn't. Nothing to do with it. It was just a very simple, small story of a robot who's at a place, very E.T.-esque, very Iron Giant-esque. And John Cena wasn't terrible. Uh, it was a very, very good movie. So, like, You sound surprised I, saying it. I would like you to point to an example of a John Cena performance in which he was terrible, uh, which would justify the type of skepticism that you expressed in, uh, in what you just said. Well, I have not seen uh-huh. any of his other movies. That's um, what I thought. Uh, like the Marine or it's a wonderful movie. There's a there's a gas station fight sequence in that. It's pretty good. I don't know any other movie he's been in, uh, but I know I've never enjoyed a movie he's been. Uh, he, he was in like a, a, he a was in the blockers. Block. He was in the blockers, which is I think. Oh, I uh, did see the blockers, yeah, and I didn't yeah, like him very much in that. I I, I liked Ike Barinholtz better in that movie, but like uh, it's just. He it was it was pretty well done movie and not, there was no point in this movie where I'm like what what is happening like everything made sense there was a there was a payoff to all the things they set up uh, it wasn't these things where you know let's get to the next scene and let's see the next cool thing explode it was a very well made movie ninety three percent not so much but a very fun summer or winter movie that I saw with my family so I highly suggest you go see it. Um, if if you're not if you've been jilted by these transform movies, probably wait till it comes out on like HBO or something. But definitely go see it. It's very very good. I enjoyed it. So yeah, it's boo boo What would you do when I was gone? Well, Justin, in order for me to explain what I did, I need to play a little drop here. Kind of cheating, but I'm still gonna play. So this is a little bit of a loose connection. I've missed Yeah, I know. I I think it's the greatest, greatest drop. It's the greatest thing I've ever produced in my life, I think. Uh, But I want to talk a little bit about a role-playing game I've been playing, but I'm kind of cheating a little bit because I've been playing a a video game. So I've been playing a game called Mutineer Zero Road to Eden, but I'm using that role-play drop that I normally reserve for tabletop role-playing stuff because the video game is based on a tabletop role-playing game that's been around for like 30-something years and has been re-released over the past few years by Free Elegant or Free League and published by Modifius. It's the same people who do uh, Tales from the Loop and who did the Kickstarter for Things from the Flood, which I talked about uh, several episodes ago the night back. Uh, so it's, it's based on that world, uh, but it's not you know, directly in itself, a like tabletop role-playing game. So it's like the the video game version. So this is developed 
specifically by the Bearded Ladies. It's the name of the development company. And it's published by Funcom, a company that you and I know. We, we, we played some of their, their MMOs. We played Age of Conan for a really long time. We played, well, not a long time, but we played it. Uh, you knocked me it, off many eclipses in Age of Conan, so yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's basically all we did in that game, I think, is we would Well go, worth the money we put we in. Would, we would go to cliffs and just uh, knock you off, because I wouldn't, I refuse to get knocked off. Uh, and then also The Secret World. The people who did Secret World, uh, which uh, I think is a fantastic game, uh, and I hate all of you. Uh, for not to, not playing it more. So anyway, uh, they're the ones who just they just published it. Now the game itself, if you if you're unfamiliar, if you haven't seen it yet, it's it's basically a post-apocalyptic game. Okay, that's 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 what it is. That's the basic theme, um, and it is mechanically like XCOM. So if you've played XCOM Enemy Unknown or XCOM Two, whatever the hell that the actual subtitle that is, or Phantom Doctrine, which came out several months ago, or Invisibility Inc., which came out like I want to say two years ago. Uh, but the gameplay is fairly similar to that. So it's got a little bit in common with like Divinity Original Sin, but it's not as complicated. Um, it's a little, it's way more XCOM. So it's very, very much like XCOM. Uh, so it's a post-apocalyptic setting and you play as stalkers, which are groups of mutants. Uh, and I don't mean that in sort of a, a negative way. That's just what they are. They're mutant humanoids uh, that are ranging out into what they call the zone, which is just like their version of what this gigantic apocalyptic wasteland is. Uh, and, they, and you go on various missions and you use a place called the Ark uh, as your home base. And you don't really ever get to explore. It's really like the, the Ark is really just one single screen and you just kind of go to a couple different merchants. So it's pretty simplistic and there really isn't a whole lot of building up of the Ark like there is in the tabletop role playing game. But it's nonetheless an, a thing. So you go back there every now and then to resupply and to get a few uh, cut scenes with uh, kind of story based stuff. Now, over the course of the game, uh, you run a three-person squad in combat, and you have, there's there's quite a few characters. I would say, I think there's like five or six characters you can choose from, um, and you can specialize them using a, a variety of different things. And they all have their own personalities. There's Borman, who is basically a pig man. Uh, there's Ducks, who is a, uh, a duck man. Uh, there's Pharaoh, who is a fox woman. Uh, there's Selma, who is a mutant woman, but she has like all sorts of frog-like powers, like leaping and stuff. And then there's Magnus, who is a mutant man who has these psychic slash mind control type powers. Now, as you play the game, uh, you don't get access to all the characters at the same time at the very beginning. You really only have Borman and Ducks. And then over the course of some of the early missions, uh, you accrue other characters as the story progresses. Uh, you're, you're basically supposed to go find a, another stalker by the name of Hammond. That's kind of the... The starting quest like go out figure out where hammond is because he's been ranging like further than he's supposed to and the elder who is kind of the the head of the arc uh is directed you to to go do this the elder is like the last regular human non-mutant human now personally i feel like they should have they missed an opportunity to call the pig man hammond but borman's pretty solid boar man but i thought i think hammond would have been funnier but anyway the point is, is that there's a couple different characters you can play with. You can't play all five or six at the same time or five uh, at the same time. You have to act, you only have the three at once, uh, but you can kind of switch them out uh, as you see fit. Um, each character has its own like set of mutation skill trees that you can invest points in points that you gain by leveling up. So you're doing all sorts of combat. That's where you get your points from. That's how you level up. Uh, some of these skills evolve their the mutations. So ducks, for example, can grow moth wings, uh, which let him temporary hover, temporarily hover like really high on the battleground, which allows him to like access higher level, higher areas. Or he can just hover and shoot from like high ground essentially and get 
uh, and get like people that are, are behind cover or something like that because they're because he's got a, a better view. Uh, Selma can get a bunch of leaping abilities, which makes it really easy for her to kind of navigate buildings and things like that. Uh, I think the I think Borman has one where he can uh, he can kind of like cannibalize in a way, or and then another one where like if he gets shot, he like emits smoke. It's sort of interesting. Uh, so in addition to those those meat and skill trees, you can also customize characters via weapons. There's not a ton of these or different types, but there's there's some stuff. And it's one of the things that was kind of surprising to me that was all ranged. Uh, it was all just ranged weaponry. Uh, so there's like shotguns and pistols and sniper rifles and crossbows and the types of things you'd expect to find. Um, and then there's different tiers of how good they get. But you can also customize the weapons themselves, usually with either with a with a scope. You can add an attachment or you can add a uh, in, and or you can add some sort of damage attachment as well. So there's some customization there that's going on. There's all sorts of grenades and stuff, too. But uh, but yeah, there's so there's there's customization there. It's not immense. It's not like overwhelming, uh, but there's enough to you can kind of build the characters the way you want to build them. Uh, now, in the game, the zone, the wasteland specifically, I think it's somewhere in Sweden, if I recall. And you you kind of get, you don't really get kind of like the dry desert wasteland of something like a Wasteland 2 uh, or even like Fallout 3 or something like that. Uh, but instead, you have like tons of overgrown shopping centers and campsites and city blocks and stuff like that. Uh, and you navigate like across like the world with a bunch with, like a map that has different locations and each of those locations is its own like central area. Like you load into that particular place. There are some sort of walls around it, whether it's these big vines or whether it's like uh, city uh, city buildings or something like that. But it's like a specific localized area. And there's all sorts of different baddies that are available for you to fight within that area. Uh, and a lot of them are like zone dogs, which are an early level creature that you fight, which is some sort of mutated dog or, or wolf-like creature. There's ghouls, which is sort of a commonplace um, name for these like somewhat funny but demented cannibalistic subspecies. Um, there are also like robots uh, that you run into like uh, like or some sort of automated police system. Um, and so you run into them as well. So those are the, the main categories. Uh, I won't talk about the specific factions. I'll let you kind of like people discover that on their own. But that's kind of the, the basics of what you encounter. That there's really not a whole lot in terms of a significant amount of variance each of the like the the ghouls for instance have like different classes there's like tanks and then there's uh there's like melee people and then there's like sniper people and so like there's a little bit of variation um in terms of like the mobs you face but it's not like endless right uh so the location variance is okay but i also feel like it gets a little samey um i wish there were more more options for like dungeon crawls some of my favorite boards uh, or maps uh, or when we got to go not through like a rundown city, you know, city area or like a rundown campsite. But uh, when we got to go into some sort of compound, like an underground compound, and we did like dungeon crawls, that was a, a lot of fun. And there's a few of those and they're really a nice like, like change of pace. Uh, but mainly you're doing open air battlegrounds uh, amongst like ruins of buildings and things like that. Um, and a lot of the terrain is really breakable too. So you can like knock walls down. Uh, you can like bust through walls completely. Like I used to, I, I would do stuff with Borman where I would just like charge through the walls and attack people. It's pretty cool. Um, so mechanically, like I said, the game borrows pretty heavily from XCOM. Uh, so it's that idea of turn-based tactical combat. Uh, so you kind of move around on a grid like you would normally do. Um, but one of the cool wrinkles that they added was that there is a, there's the ability to do some stealth and ambush. Um, so whereas XCOM, like when you go on a mission, you're just immediately dropped into combat uh, and mutineer zero, you go into a zone and then you just explore it. 
like you would like you play World of Warcraft, like you would exploring a World of Warcraft zone, right? Uh, but you would you come across uh, various various mobs, various baddies, uh, like within this particular zone, and you can either avoid them, um, you can ambush them, uh, or you can just what I like to do is I just sort of pick them off like a little bit, like the ones that are kind of on the outside, like the the ones that are scouting or something like that. You kind of observe what their what their paving is, and then you kind of take a few out, which makes the the big fight that eventually will happen for that particular zone. Uh, a little bit easier for you because you can take like one or two or three out before having to face the whole big group. So it's really, really helpful. And especially when you play on higher difficulties and when you get a little bit further into the game and do some of the harder um, harder combats, uh, it's de- that's actually almost required at that point. Like early on, you can kind of get away with it as it's the game sort of teaching you. But uh, but later on into the game, you, you really do have to take advantage of that sort of stealth and ambush system. So it's a really nice wrinkle. Um, I think they probably could have developed even further. And if they have a sequel, I hope they do. But it's it's pretty nice. Um, you you do have to be smart about when you pick certain fights. Like there were times when I just either because I was being um, being impatient or just being dumb, like I would pick a fight and like the, I would pull like the whole zone and that would get really bad really quick. Uh, so the game itself is it's not like I said, it's not a huge game. Uh, it takes about took me about nine hours, I think, to get through the whole game or so. Uh, give or take, um, there's some of that was kind of rinse, repeat where I had to do some fights over again. So it could be more like 10 or 11 if I, I can't remember exactly, but somewhere in that neighborhood, uh, it's a fairly solid story because you're trying to figure out first, like where's Hammond going? What is he trying to do? Um, he, he had like the subtitle of the, of the actual game is called road to Eden. And there's this place called Eden, which he thinks, you know, what Hammond thinks is like this, uh, this, this city that, you know, they can go to, like, it's some sort of the last remaining city. And so, as that sort of story progresses, you learn a little bit more about where these mutants came from, um, and you learn about like all a couple, a couple of different factions, uh, some of the bosses and the fights that you actually come into, or in the and the factions that you have to deal with. So, there's some interesting story going on there. Um, I don't think it's like perfectly adheres to a lot of the stuff from the tabletop role playing game, but I think there's a lot of stuff that's inspired by it. So, um, I think if somebody is familiar with the game. With, a, with a, the tabletop role playing game, the pen and paper, they might actually get something a little bit more of it, or might they might see like references that maybe some of us don't get. Um, so I think it's a, it's a I think it's a really good solid game, uh, and I like a lot of the steps that they they took forward to iterate on that that XCOM formula. But I I, I hope for a sequel, um, partly due to the story because I like I, the story had resolution at the end, but it also had kind of an open ending issue where like you can you can see expansion, you can see how they could do more with this if they wanted, which is really really nice. Um, I also want, I, I kind of wish it it moved a little bit more in the direction of like the Divinity Original Sin series, especially since it's based off an RPG, like a, a kind of more traditional RPG, uh, as opposed to just pure, like a pure combat game. And so there really aren't any non-combat encounters, like, which is strange for a tabletop role-playing game, because like, if you think about it, when I, like you've, you've played some D&D with us at this point. And like you don't just do combat, you do a lot of other types of encounters, like social encounters, um, puzzle encounters, things like that. So you don't really get that in Mutant Year Zero. You really just get combat, like that's it. Um, there's all sorts of these little uh, things you can find in various zones that help build the story out in a very passive way. I really like a lot of the world building they do through these little notes and stuff that you can find and read. And then just looking and engaging with like the terrain is great. Um, but it's a shame that there really wasn't really more you can do in terms of making choices as you dealt with NPCs, because you you really don't get to like a lot of your choices are very scripted. So it's a very linear game. Um, now, the bright side is the the linear path it takes you on is actually very, very enjoyable. So if it wasn't, that would be a problem. But 
Um, but overall, I hope like this is sort of like the first of what are going to be more of these types of games set in this universe. Uh, and with each game, they might kind of branch out and build more to it, which is really cool. Um, I'd like to see maybe some more customization for your squad. So like each one of the, the stalkers that you play is basically a predefined class. And so like as it relates kind of to the RPG, uh, it would be nice if you can maybe customize at the very least like your own character and maybe like your party characters are a little bit different. So rather than just sort of predefined trees, you get a little bit more customization uh, could be nice. Um, there's a bunch of other books. So there's four total, I want to say setting books or source books for the, uh, for the tabletop role-playing game. Um, there's just Mutant Year Zero. Then there's Gen Lab Alpha, um, which explores more of the like the um, the anthropomorphic characters. There's like Mechatron, which is like more robotic characters, and then there's Elysium, which is more like um, like pure blood humanoids. And that one's the most recent, I think, that they just put up on Kickstarter uh, about a month or two ago. Um, so I, I hope since there's plenty of source material that they might be able to do more with it from a video game perspective, which is really really nice. Um, but also playing this has actually had the byproduct of wanting uh, me wanting to actually play the role playing game now. So I think I'm gonna like tack on as like a like add ons to my things from the blood uh, things from the flood pledge that I, I had a couple months back. I'm gonna see if I can get like a book or two and take a look at it. So overall, I definitely recommend the game. Um, it's not too expensive. It's around thirty bucks, uh, give or take thirty bucks for about ten hours, uh, give or take. I think it's pretty solid uh, turnaround on the on the on the money for me at least. Um, I thought the story was good, kept me interested. I really like the last level um, because the way in which they handled the the final level, it was, you got to explore and it was really cool. And like you got to explore and engage with the actual environment. And from that, you kind of got to passively get a lot of the story, which was really, really cool. So it's a fun take on the apocalypse genre. I think it's a really good implementation of the tactical XCOM combat. It doesn't have a lot of those really annoying, hey, 99% to hit, just kidding, you missed again. Um, it's way more consistent, I think, the percentages, if they're saying you 50% or 75%, it just feels more uh, more accurate. I, I mean, I know that's not particularly you know empirical, but like it certainly feels more accurate. Um, and it's got some really memorable and likable characters. So uh, Mutant Year Zero, Road to Eden, uh, it's by Bearded Ladies and published by Funcom. You can get it up on Steam and a couple other places. So really good game. I definitely recommend it. Nice. All right, Justin, uh, let's go do our challenge for the week. Let's do it. And now, it's time for the Gentleman's Challenge. So the Gentleman's Challenge is a segment we do here on the Lollygaggers podcast, where Justin and I like to give each other a homework assignment for the next episode. Uh, sometimes this homework assignment is intended to drive us crazy. Sometimes this homework assignment is tend just to kind of reveal something cool that we might be missing. Uh, sometimes it's a movie, sometimes it's a TV show. Uh, it can be all sorts of different things. Uh, this is a very spoiler heavy uh, segment. So if you hear uh, a topic that we're, uh, we're talking about that you'd rather not be spoiled about, it's best maybe to, to skip to a different segment in, uh, in the episode or maybe to a different episode entirely and come back once you've experienced yourself. Now, to ensure that we have completed our homework, Justin and I also like to quiz each other uh, often uh, appealing to the judges uh, to make sure that our scores are on the up and up. Uh, so, Justin, I think it is your turn because I went last time with the stupid Batman uh, comic that you gave me. Uh, so I think it is it is your turn to go first. I think it is, too. So uh, what you gave me was the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. All right. This is a Coen Brothers movie 
that is on Netflix and it stars a myriad of individuals. Wow. Okay. So Justin, before you recorded, you used the word Imperial as an Imperial Evans. And yeah. then you just use the word myriad. Oh man. Like, did you word of the day toilet paper? You, that's what yeah, I was wondering. Like maybe they got you that for Christmas. Awesome. But there's a lot of people in the movie. You have Tim Blake Nelson, you have Willie Watson, uh, Tom Proctor. Um, let's see here. Who else was pretty notable in this movie? James Franco's in this movie. There's a whole bunch of people. Liam Neeson, Brendan Liam Neeson, Gleason. Liam Neeson, yeah. yeah. Um, Milton but, uh, from The Office Space. But basically, this is a movie that consists of one, two, three, four, five, six vignettes uh, that all last from somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes long. And um, it's just basically, it's like a storybook, an old Western storybook of little tiny short stories that someone's reading through. And uh, they just give their uh, their visual representation of that book, basically. And uh, the first one is about Buster Scruggs. And Buster Scruggs starts off all nice and happy. He's uh, played by Tim Blake Nelson. And uh, he's he's... He's traveling through the canyons, singing his song on his horse with his white uh, cowboy outfit and white hat, having such a great time, being so nice. He finds his way getting into a small little cantina. And it literally is a small, like maybe a one, maybe like a 15 by 15 uh, foot building in the middle of nowhere where he goes in there and there's some a miscreant, one might say, and he's just such a positive guy and just wants to get a drink. And everyone's being so rude to him, so he kills all of them horrifically. And what I thought was great about this first one is it's like, all right, this is what's happening because it's that Coen Brothers humor of like seriousness and beauty and just because like the shots are beautiful and yeah. and the especially the, the Tom Waits one, holy crap, the one where he's paying for. That one's yeah, so that's that's that is an unbelievable vignette. But like, it's it's a beautifully written, beautifully uh, a shot movie, and just out of nowhere, just horrific violence. And it's just, I was like, okay, that's my notes on it. Like, okay, here we go. And then he like ends up going into town, and someone uh, like accuses him of, or he says he he someone leaves the table for poker. And he steps, he steps in to take the spot. And the guy who plays Mr. Krabs on uh, 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 SpongeBob, he also was the main villain in the first Highlander movie. Uh, uh, Clancy Brown you're talking about. I love that guy. Yeah. He's a yeah, good Twitter he, follower too. He's a, he's a, he's, he's saying you got to pick him up and play or I'm going to take you out. And like uh, Buster Scruggs left his gun at the door. And so he's like, I don't think that's a fair way to make me. I shouldn't have to play if I don't want to play the cards because he did, he had a couple of cards he didn't want. I think it was two aces and two queens. I think that's what it was. Uh, so it was a rough hand. And uh, he's like, you're going to play or I'm going to blow your head off. And then Buster Scruggs just kicks the table and makes him shoot himself in the head six times. It's just so ridiculous. And then he goes, he goes out into the, like, the guy's brother comes to, like, avenge him. Like, you killed my brother cold blood and he's like i didn't and like brushcar is just so polite and so nice he's singing and he's such a great guy and then he like challenges him to go to a duel outside and he blows off all five of his fingers before he can uh uh attack him but then he ends up taking his six gun a six bullet in his gun and uses a mirror and shoots him behind his head like backwards it was just crazy i'm like this movie's 
amazing. I love this. And then a guy comes walking into town, uh, saying challenging Buster Scruggs, like, "Well, I guess I'll just have to kill you too." And the guy kills, guy blows off uh, Buster's head before he even has a chance uh, to even like uh, pull out his gun. He goes, "You want to count?" He goes, "No, I don't want." And just shoots him right in the head. And it's just like a really abrupt ending. But then he like ascends into heaven, uh, playing a harp, and it's such a sweet little ending to this uh, monster of a human being who just like is is so nice, but is a horrific uh, murderer <laughs> goes from town to town killing people, which is just great. It's just interesting. Um, the second one starred James Franco. It was really funny. It was about the fact it was about a guy who tries to rob a small bank in the middle of nowhere, and a man covered in pots. I forget the guy who played him. It was the guy who was Steven uh, Root? He was sorry. Milton from Office Space. Yeah, That's Milton from Office Space. Like he, that guy does it's also this, in Brooklyn Nine Nine. So yeah, he does such great voices, and uh, he does. He's like he's describing what's going on with the last couple of guys that try to rob him, and he just sounds so funny, and uh, he. Franco tries to rob him and he uh, escapes and puts on pots all over his body. And when Franco tries to shoot him to kill him, he's like, you missed bad shot, bad shot. Because he, he said pot shot. Yeah. I think he says pot shot. This like, is pot shot. Pot shot. So funny. I kept thinking then, of, uh, of what's it called? Uh, that, that game you guys play. PUBG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the, <laughs> the flying band. Ding. But uh, then he ends up getting him, knocks him out. He puts up, he uh, gets him to the local authorities. Local authorities arraign him uh, and then sentence him to death before he even wakes up. But uh, a band of Native Americans come by and kill everybody before uh, he gets hung. And uh, yep. he, he, they just leave him to be to see if he'll survive. Someone comes by that's herding cattle, saves him. And then. I forget what happens. Oh, yeah. Th then they get, like, raided by a couple of uh... – it must have been U.S. Marshals. No, he was a cattle was... rustler. The guy who saved him was a cattle rustler, and he ran away, and, like, Franco's character just stayed with him and got basically on the hook for the stolen cattle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, he was stealing cattle. So then he gets taken, and he, gets, he goes up to get hung again, and then as guy's sitting right next to him. He's, like – the funniest moment of the whole, the whole vignette, the guy's, like, crying next to him. You know, he's in the gallows, and he goes – uh, first time <laughs> the guy's yeah, trying. it's pretty good franco did pretty good and uh then he looks at he sees a beautiful woman in the stands and he's like uh he, that's basically the last memory he had before he was hung and it's it's just a small little stories um the next one was liam neeson's uh story of like uh i forget what it was called but it was uh it was basically a armless legless man and yeah. liam neeson was his chauffeur Harrison, the wingless thrush, celebrated thespian orator and entertainer. You're lucky yeah, that yeah. wasn't a quiz question. Yeah, I, I read it. I was like, that's a lot to read. And I'm not going to remember that. So I'll just take that one on the chin. Uh, but like he basically, he said he did some Shakespearean stuff. He read the Emancipation Proclamation. He did a whole bunch of different things uh, to kind of like, and it was just his beautiful readings and stuff like that. And clearly Liam Neeson is just a drunk that's using him to make money. And it's kind of a sad story because he's a guy who has no arms, no legs. He's a he's a beautiful orator, and Liam Neeson's using him on his own uh, for his own uh, monetary benefit. And at some point at the end, you see his his crowds are getting smaller and smaller. And Liam Neeson's walking around the town. He sees this huge crowd gathered around this one little uh, truck, and it turns out it's a uh, it's a chicken that can uh, count. And uh, he buys the chicken off of 
the man and then throw seemingly it is uh, assumed they never show you seemingly throws the guy without the arms and legs into the river and kills him and just walks off because the, the chicken was a better cash cab than uh than the guy which at the end i was like my my notes at the, at the end of it was jesus <laughs> it's just such a like oh my god liam neeson why and it's just like a really rough Have ending you seen liam neeson like movies? Very... He, he like kills like three quarters of the people yeah like, but as a nice guy who said a lot of nice things we don't we, we don't remember. know that no, we, we don't know uh the next one was the prospector one which is like we mentioned before is by far the most beautiful of so gorgeous of, of the whole thing is basically this prospector finds this beautiful valley and he was trying to find some gold and basically it's a story of the juxtaposition of the beauty of nature and the ugliness of greed because this man is he's slowly destroying this beautiful land to try and find gold in uh near the river and he eventually finds a vein and in the process destroys the land he's around and right when he finds the gold he's looking for, he then gets uh, someone tries to murder him, and then he gets up and he tricks the man, thinking that he's alive, thinking he's dead, and then he tries, to, and then he kills the man back. And it's just such an ugly moment of this like greed and possession. When meanwhile, like what you have that you should enjoy and love is the is the beauty of the nature around him. So I thought that was a, a beautiful one. Uh, the last two, there's a woman that's going to be married um she gets uh her 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 brother dies and it's like they're heading on, on the oregon trail they head to oregon her brother dies and uh she gets like proposed to be married on the way there it's a sweet little love story but it ends in such a tragic way because she they get overrun by some indians when she's away like she would she would wander away from the the line every once in a while she gets overthrown by indians the one of the guys that's helping transport them uh like helps try to save her and then he tells her like if they get to us i got two bullets in this gun and you gotta put one in your own head otherwise they're gonna do some awful stuff to you so he he stops him but then one kind of sneaks up on him and she and he knocks him down and then he eventually goes over he he, he beats the native american the native american tries to scalp him and the, uh he ends up winning but when he goes over to find the woman she had already killed herself it was a very sad ending uh, but it was a sweet little love story. Um, the last one was a, was a stagecoach uh, that was a single shot scene, almost like a – that was a single shot. It was like a single scene play, basically. And it was like a very uh, – it was all very death-based and very – it's like a metaphor uh, for death and how people live their life and what they expect out of it. And at the end, there's a lot of symbolism of like – when they're dragging that guy's body up the stairs, it's clearly he's going to heaven and these other people are being left in purgatory. It was a very strange final ending. Most of the stories were very action-packed and fun. This last one was very much uh, spiritualistic and very dialogue heavy. It was, it was a beautiful uh, final vignette, but it's like, it's very, very Coen brothers, uh like conversationalist type of stuff and i thought it was really really cool but overall movie's fantastic i cannot suggest it enough because it is uh in my case free because on netflix because in my life netflix is the cost of life now it is unbelievable the the shots are beautiful the acting is fantastic the action is fantastic i love it 
I can't say anything bad about it. It was a fantastic movie. Cool. So. Right on. Glad to hear. Are you ready for your quiz then, I, I assume? I guess so, since I did talk a whole bunch there. So let's get right. quiz going. So you mentioned the hand that Buster Scruggs didn't want to play. Uh, do you want to... Uh, what, what was the hand and why was it important? Do you know? Uh, it was two aces and two queens, right? I think that's what it was. And the guys, mm-hmm. he, he had quit... Because he folded and he said, if you looked at him, you got to play him. Because he's like, you're not going to come in and look at him and say you want to play him and then not want to play him. And I think it was two aces, two queens. That's that's my guess. There's an incorrect answer, Justin. It was aces and eight. It's known as the dead man's hand. It's the it's rumor has uh, it. the same hand that Wild Bill Hickok was holding when he was killed. So, yeah. Aces uh, over eights. Okay, so that's a that's a oh for one. I blew it. 2019, blew it. much like 2018. Uh, what are Buster Scruggs's various nicknames and sobriquets? And uh, that's 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 part one. So we'll start there. So what was his? Oh, various... there was so many. There was there were one three. That, there, there was, was three. one that made him mad, and I forget what it was. One was like he pronounced whaler, it correctly. The whalers of the the whaler of the west, something like that. I can't remember. They were good hmm. though. The writing, the writing is so much better than I could have ever come up with or guessed with writing. I can't remember, but they're all so good. And one of them made him very upset. I can't remember. Okay. So there were three. There was the San Saba songbird. There was. Yeah. You expect me to remember that? Like me? Well, yeah. They mentioned it multiple times. Uh, and you know you're going to get quizzed. So yeah. There's the Wex, West Texas tit, which one guy calls him the Wex, West Texas twit. And then he. Yeah, that's what him. it was. That's what it was. And then yeah. there's the misanthrope. Which he spoke uh, at length about how he didn't understand it, etc. I think they're all like related to birds. Uh, okay, so follow up question: This, so you, you didn't get anything on that. So, what would our cowboy nicknames be? Slash, what would the theme be for them? And there, are, there are correct answers for this. So, please go. Uh, yours would be uh, the bearded beast. All right, that would be yours because you have the no. That would be mine. I'd be the bearded beast. Yeah. All right, I'd be yeah, yeah, yeah. and you'd be the uh, the uh, philosophical philanthropist. I don't. That's the best I can think of right now. Okay, you're on the right track with mine. Uh, yours, you're way off. Okay, so you would be cuts of beef combined with classic feminine names. Uh, so some examples I have for you <laughs> are short loin Lorraine. Okay, or right. for Shank Shirley. Or top round Rowena. Okay, so those would be yours. I like top round Rowena. That's a okay. Good one. Right, on. that's a good. One. And I would be various academic synonyms combined with Western town names or landmarks. And so some of my examples would be the Silver City Scholar, or the Professor of Pinedale, or the Bandera Bookworm. Okay, so those. I are- gotta get 0.25 out of that. You got you got literally nothing. You're- no 0.25. I got I no. got. You philosophical philosophy something like that philosophical I, well first of all i'm not a professor of philosophy and, uh, and i mean like I, we had a joke back in grad school because i have a master's in english basically and uh and uh, yeah because i'm an english professor uh but uh we had a joke like what was the one uh was the one degree more useless than an english degree and we used to joke it was philosophy uh so no uh you should actually lose points for that much the same way you docked me uh for the 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 green lantern stuff you know i'll take the zero I'll take okay the that's zero. what i thought okay yeah, that's what i thought that's fine. all right last this is the last buster scruggs one and i have a couple others 
Uh, according to Buster Scruggs, when you are unarmed, what do your tactics need to be? Oh, boy. Um, when you're unarmed, what do your tactics need to be? Because uh, he's in the bar talking to uh, Mr. Krabs about this. Because uh, he didn't have a gun on him, and he did. Uh, improvise? Is that one? Unfortunately, that is incorrect. The correct answer is they have to be downright Archimedean. Oh, yeah. I got I like that line. Right. That was a good line. Archimedean. Yeah, it was, it was a great line. Okay. Moving on to the Liam Neeson one. Uh, so what did Liam Neeson replace Harrison, the wingless thrush, celebrated thespian orator and entertainer with? And please be specific, as there were two titles given to what was replacing him. All I know is the counting chicken. Uh, so I'll oh, say the arithmetic. Uh, I don't know. It's probably something beautiful sounding because all they do is write beautiful things. I, I, that's you're you're absolutely right. Show. You're absolutely right. The first one is the calculating kaphon, and the okay. second one is picking Pythagorean. These are all math terms. <laughs> Archimedes, like I'm doing all these math things. Like you should have easily gotten these. The the writing in this film is poetry. It's unbelievable. Uh, Follow-up question to this one. Are you ever concerned that your high school will place you with a chicken? Uh, I didn't want to mention this, um, but they already have. This is why I had my trip to Colorado and had those meetings and stuff. So, Trip question. You are a chicken. A chicken sh- oh, afraid to play oh. scary, scary, scary games and, and watch scary movies. Uh, so, trick question. All right, yeah, trick question. Uh, next, because you already are. They can't replace you with a chicken if you already are a chicken. You're the chicken. Ah, whatever. All right. So, moving to the last one, to the to the coachman one. Uh, there are two kinds of people in this world, apparently, and most of the characters that were in the coachman vignette tried to offer some sort of responses to what they're all ferrets. <laughs> Could you please tell me? which uh what what were the two types of people that they all uh provided so what do you remember well one was they're all ferrets that was the uh the trapper said that um woman said there's those that are sitting and those that are standing um and the bounty hunter said those that are alive and those that are dead and um the frenchman said what was it? Those that are lying and those that are those that are lying and those that are cheating. Is that what it was? I can't remember, but I think I got two out of the three there. You got a couple. You got, you're going to get partial credit for this. So there was upright and sinning. There was lucky and unlucky. oh, I just heard her wrong. That's what it was. Right. Upright. There was hail and frail. And then the trapper, yeah, yeah, even yeah, though yeah. he made that ferret joke, he actually said his two types of people were trappers and townspeople. And then there was that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I will give you half credit for that. So you'll get <laughs> there's trappers and townspeople. Yes. yes. And then a bonus question really quick. What was the best vignette and why? Um, there are some that start off real slow, like the uh, the Oregon Trail one started off real slow, but it ended really good. Um, so like I was like, ah, this one's not so great. Yeah. Then, woman getting shot right in yeah. the f- right in the head and that that marriage being ruined. Yeah, it's ended great. Um, I had to say the Buster Scruggs one is the best one because it's just he's just so happy the mm. whole time while he's murdering people viciously. So I really like the Buster Scruggs one. Unfortunately, that is incorrect. The correct answer was the coachman, 
because <sighs> Brendan Gleeson was in it and he sang an absolutely beautiful ballad. Absolutely beautiful. I was uh, expecting so Justin, at some moment for a crow to drop blood in his eye and he's going to start freaking out or he's going to push uh, uh, Colin Farrell off a watchtower or something. That's what I was expecting at any moment. So. Wow. So, uh, Justin, uh, I'm just going to do some quick math here. Uh, you got 0. 0.5. All right. That's good. We're getting places. <laughs> Let's go 2019. Uh, hey, I'm glad you liked it, though. I'm glad you liked it. All it was right. a great movie. It was a great movie. All right. Let's shift gears and talk about my homework assignment. Uh, Justin assigned me happy with an exclamation point. It's a TV show that's airing on Sci-Fi Channel, but you can get season one on Netflix, and I have been wanting to watch it. And so Justin assigned me, so I've been actually actually quite happy to do this one. Uh, it is based off a four-issue comic book of the same names, created by Grant Morrison and Derek Robertson. Uh, so those are like the comic book creator and uh, the artist. Uh, it stars... Christopher Maloney of Law and Order SVU fame as Nicholas Sachs or Nick Sachs or Sachs or Nick or whatever. He is a former great detective turned hitman whose daughter, whom he doesn't like to fully acknowledge at first, is kidnapped around Christmas time. Uh, his daughter has an imaginary friend named Happy, who's voiced by Patton Oswalt. And this this Happy is a animated blue unicorn, uh, very cartoony, My Little Pony style. Uh, and only a few people can see it. So uh, Haley, who's the daughter, Nick, uh, and then I think a homeless guy who was getting beaten up once uh, was able to see him too. Basically uh, so people who are out of their mind. Can right. Do the thing. But the little girl did it. So I don't know. Uh, Nick seems essentially to have sabotaged his life for reasons we don't fully understand right away in the first two episodes. Uh, but uh, Happy is desperate to get his help to rescue Haley. Uh, but convincing him is really, really difficult in these first two episodes uh, because Nick is busy being hunted down by Mr. Blue. Mr. Blue is a crime boss in New York City who believes that Nick has a password uh, that was passed along to him by one of these four young gangsters that he kills in the first episode. He was contracted to kill these three brothers. And then like one of the, I think it was like a cousin or something was there as well. And the cousin actually had news. It was something about devils like being like uh, who runs the world or whatever. But there's something about a password. And Mr. Blue wants it, and they think that Nick has it, and so he's chasing them down. So Nick is trying to leave the city while Happy is trying to convince him to stay and find the daughter. Now, I'm, all, I'm only talking about the first two episodes here. Now, complicating all of this is Meredith, who is played by Lily Moroznik, uh, and she is a current detective who seems to be under Blue's thumb because uh, he's been paying, perhaps, for like her mother's uh, medical bills or something like that. I think we can kind of infer... Uh, and apparently she she must have had an affair at some point with Nick in the past, which probably contributed to why Nick's marriage broke up and why he is not in his daughter's life, um, why she's like kind of estranged or unknown to him in some way. Uh, throughout much of the second episode, uh, we actually see Nick going through this uh, dream sequence in which he appears as a guest on Jerry Springer. Uh, it's in one of those DNA episodes where someone denies being the father and they do DNA tests and stuff like that. Uh, at the end of the second episode, Nick agrees to help Happy and the two head back into the city to try to find Haley, the daughter, who is kidnapped by this creepy looking Santa Claus at the beginning of the series while attending a Sunny Shine event somewhere in New York City. Uh, meanwhile, uh, her mother is is trying to get anybody in the darn uh, co you know in, in, the, in the law enforcement to help her, but they seem to not want to do that. Uh, it's incredibly violent. Uh, he, in the first two episodes, tons of people die. There's all sorts of various uh, torture that happens. Uh, and some of it is quite gruesome. 
Uh, the very first thing we see is Christopher Christopher Maloney's character, Nick, looking into a mirror, and then he shoots himself in the head uh, with two guns at the same time, but it's some sort of perhaps a dream, perhaps not. I don't know. We'll see if it's one of those. Haha, it was all just a dream things once the show is over. I don't know. Uh, but that's the basic rundown of the first two episodes. Uh, what did I think of it? I love it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I'm not surprised. Netflix does say it's a 97% match for me, so that makes sense. It's pretty good. I like the yeah, way of the I art and the direction of it, and like the attitude is great. And uh, Maloney is just fantastic. He plays such a piece. He of He is the perfect cast. Like I, I, I started thinking, like who would be better? I, I can't think of anybody who would be better as like a New York cop that's just gone crazy because he's got the whole New York cop thing as a law, you know, Law and Order. But at the same time, he's also very funny at times. Uh, and so, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And uh, over time, like he first thinks he's hallucinating and things like that because of blood loss and getting, you know, getting attacked here and there, getting uh, getting tortured. Get, he got hit by a bus at one point. But eventually he does actually accept the fact because he's seen some really, really crazy stuff. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but no, I think it's fantastic. I think it's very funny. It's very dark. Uh, the contrast of like how dark and gruesome the stuff that's actually happening on the screen are with how bright and peppy Patton Oswalt's happy is, is really hilarious. Um, there's one point where, uh, in the second episode when they're doing, they're playing poker, uh, just like Buster Scruggs. And uh, Patton Oswalt's happy uh, snorts some cocaine. And uh, yeah, he goes crazy. It's uh, it's pretty hilarious. It's pretty, it's pretty fantastic. Um so, yeah, I think it's really, really good. I'm looking forward to actually watching the rest of it. I'm for sure going the rest of the rest of it. I know there's a second season. Uh, I don't know I don't know how true it is to the comic. I have no idea. I haven't read the comic. But it is only a four-issue comic I read. So uh, that's got me interested because I'm kind of on the lookout for these short-run comics. Uh, so I might at some point pick it up. And I'm probably going to wait until I'm done uh, kind of watching the TV show, I think. I'm, I'm not really sure yet. Uh, but overall, I thought, I love it. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. It's super dark. Uh, it's super violent. If you're if you're squeamish, don't yeah, don't watch this. Like, because there's some some creepy things, uh, some potty mouth language, of course. But there is a swear jar, so you know there's that. Um, yeah, and there's all sorts of really creepy things going on. Like, I don't know what's going on with that Santa Claus and the voice that Santa Claus. Like Santa Claus. So Haley, the daughter, she's kidnapped with a bunch of other kids who are kidnapped apparently, and they're all put in boxes like crates, uh, and holes are drilled in so they can breathe. And there's other kids that have apparently been caught and they want to, uh, apparently the Santa Claus wants to keep them as children. They don't want them to ever grow up. Uh, but the Santa Claus is like talking to her, but she doesn't realize that it's the Santa Claus because it sounds sort of like a kid, like a, like another like another little girl. But yeah, there's some creepy stuff going on there, but we don't really see a whole lot of that yet. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's, I think it's fantastic. I, I love it. Uh, I highly, highly recommend it. All right, good. So I have some questions for you. All right. First question. What was the first mark that Nick kills in the, in the show? What was he dressed as? Um, yeah, it was like a, a, I think it was a prawn. It was a prawn because he goes, yeah, he yeah. goes cockroach. He goes, no prawn. That's yeah. a, a very graphic scene. Very interesting. So the prawn was getting uh, uh, filleted uh, by uh, uh, a prostitute uh, who was dressed in very scantily. Uh, angelic clothing uh and it was about to bash her head in with a hammer when he came in uh, so but yeah he's a prop it's a strange opening to a show i was like all right i like how this goes all right so that's uh, first it set question. the tone for me it set the tone for me yeah second question if meredith didn't open the window what was happy gonna turn into oh crap i know the scene 
that was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I, I do not know the answer to this. I know the scene. I just, I do not, it, I don't, doesn't register. I don't know. What, what was he going to turn into? Like blue balls? He or something? said, he said, if she didn't open up the window, he was going to turn into a blueberry horsicle. <laughs> oh, I think I did write that down somewhere. God darn it. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Blueberry horsicle. Happy. So funny. All right. Uh, next question. How does I did write it down? I got it right here. Oh, it sucks. Okay. Yeah. How does smoothies reputation precede him? Which one's smoothie? Smoothie was the guy who tortures people. Uh, okay. How does it precedes him? He was the one who likes to get pissed on, right? <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Yes. Is that, is that the answer? Is yes, that what you mean? Because he said he likes yeah. he likes it when people pee pee on him. That's what. Yes, that's the pee pee. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then it has a great scene at the end where actually he's done beating up all of his friends. He's <laughs> he's simulating <laughs> fire extinguisher. With the fire extinguisher. He's pissing on his friend's face. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And he's like he's like waiting to the very end for like that last drop. Oh, it's so funny. Ugh. Ugh. It's so it's, good. It's so, so good. good. All right. So oh, this is how. It, okay. Uh, what did Nick bet his wedding band on? So he had us. It's very similar to the question that you gave me. I'm actually happy that you gave me a question. And I, I got it. So he had a specific hand. He had he had a pair of kings. You're absolutely right, sir. So you're better at remembering your poker hands than I am. Look at that. It's I used to play a lot of poker in grad school, man. Like like online poker and stuff like that. Like weekly game poker. I love me some poker. Yeah. Uh, last question, Jeff. Who's going to be the president? Who's gonna be the president? When did this happen? When it? What, what, can you give me Meredith, context? Meredith went to her mother's house. Her mother said, "Oh, uh, Geraldine. Uh, Geraldine. Uh, uh, she's gonna be the first female vice president." Yeah, yeah. Geraldine uh, Ferrara. F- Ferrara. Yeah, it's uh, 1984. I think she was referencing right because isn't that that was uh, when Reagan was getting reelected? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mondale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's absolutely right. So you got you got yourself four out of five. Uh, that's your score. Uh, I'm so mad about the horse cycle. Really a lot of stuff that Happy said was just so cute. I love it. Patton Oswald's a great a great choice for him. I really was, enjoyed when he said crackers in jail. <laughs> so I also liked when he was like super hopped up on cocaine. It's like we're not done yet. Oh, we keep going. So yeah, there's yeah. Uh, like we're a family. We're in a family sized jar of pickles. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a bunch of them down. They're so good. Oh also, God. like when he like finally shows up after getting put in the dryer, he's like all puffy and still spinning. It's just so cute. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of cocaine, he says cocaine is like kissing God. <laughs> this is really good. Oh, all right, so that that's that's that one. So we're good. So you got four to five. I got point five out of eight or something like that. So we're starting off 2019, like 2018. It's good yeah, stuff. man. Yeah, we're consistent. We're picking back up. Excellent. Excellent. Why? If it's not broke, don't fix it. You know what I mean, yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, are you ready for new challenges? I think I got one for you. I did a, a deep dive in Amazon for it. Um, okay, cool. Uh, deep a, dive at Amazon is kind of scary because there's some weird crap up on Amazon. Holy yeah, crap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know how much you love uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Knights and, and, and Wizards, right? If you give uh, me another Mythica movie, I'm canceling the podcast right no now. No more Mythica. I don't, I don't want to watch it anymore. All right. So uh, I was just going with it. First, I saw like an old Charles Bronson movie 
that I've never heard of before. And I thought that looks pretty good. I'd probably uh, see it if it's Charles Brownson. I, but, I uh, Charles Brownson band. I was in high school. But uh, I, I next to it, it's like next to it in the thing, I saw a cool little like fantasy movie. And it's called Sorceress from 1982. So it's uh, described as a combination of, of knights, wizards, and sorcery. So I can't wait to have you watch this. Looking for it. it. There is another Sorceress up there that is a 2017 Swedish horror film. It's from 1982, I believe. Oh, no, no. I'm looking for it. It's Sorceress? Is that what it's called? Sorceress. And it's it's got a woman with a scantily clad bottom, but it's all like, it's like, you know, a drawn uh, Found it. I got it. I see it. That's that's your uh, your sound right It's got Lynette Harrison. Oh, okay. I was looking at it. I was like, this looks like a winner. So you're going to watch. It's a Roger. Give me another Roger Corbin movie. Oh, my God. Okay. You're welcome. So Sorceress. Oh jeez, oh god, it's this is yeah okay. Anyway, your challenge. Uh, so I'm on a western thing. I'm doing my western trilogy here. All right, uh, all right. You have Hulu, so this is going to be found on Hulu. Uh, this is called The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. Yeah, thought I was going to go left, but I went right. Yeah, I think I this is the this is the Japanese movie or the Asian movie that's it's Korean. Or? It's Korean. Korean. Yeah, I've heard of it. I never saw it though. But I've heard I've heard okay things about it. It is actually supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to watch it, so uh, I saw it when I was looking around on Hulu for some some westerns to because I know what the third one's going to be. There was another one I really wanted to do, but it's not out yet. So unfortunately, I'll try to. I have a comic one tree, but I know it just takes so much time and. It's like 10 I started a comic too, so. the other day, by the way. I'm not ready to talk about it yet. Uh, I'll talk about it sometime in the next couple of weeks, but Can't I started a wait. new one. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I started two new ones. One of them is done, but the other one is just starting. It's a new ongoing. So I have my third. All right. Yeah. yeah. At this point, oh, I also it's got a slippery slope. Well, I just I like reading this stuff and some of this stuff I'm actually going to use in uh, one of the classes. I'm teaching. It depends stuff. on the writer. If you get find a good writer, you get some good stuff. So, yeah. I'm trying to explore and find different writers and, and different, uh, you know, different stuff, you know, little, little bits and pieces, themes I like here and there. So, all right, Justin, I think it's time we close this episode down. Uh, we started off 2019, I think, I think doing things, doing things proper, going a little bit longer than we should in certain, certain places and, uh, yep, yep. failing quizzes like normal, passing yeah. quizzes like yeah. normal. Yeah. Yeah. Giving me, which is essentially software pornography for my channel. Uh, that sounds about right. So if you like that, if you're a listener and you like that kind of thing, uh, why don't you get up on the old iTunes, perhaps? Give us a little, give us a little review. It's very, very helpful. Uh, if we can get some uh, some likes, subscribes, reviews, would be great. Uh, if you can get us somewhere else, if you download uh, the, the podcast through some other means, please go ahead and use uh, use that particular system there. Drop us a couple stars, a couple comments, whatever you think would be nice. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Co. if you have any ideas on types of challenges you would like to see me assign to Justin over the course of 2019. I would love to, to hear you chime in. Uh, Justin, similarly, uh, can be found on his Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash uh, Justin, you got anything else you want to say? No, I'm just uh, glad to be back watching uh, good and bad movies. So uh, let's just sit this off right. 2019. Woo! Thanks for listening, everybody.